0: Uh, please take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter eight. That's where we'll be starting. Romans eight. The title of this teaching is "With Him in Glory," and we're going to be We're going to begin in verse sixteen. So most of us understand uh, what it means to suffer. I don't think anybody has to be given too much education in that, uh, what it means to suffer and go through challenges. But not everybody fully understands the other side of it, which is the glory that is to come. Paul said in verse 18, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That word reckon is a word that you might be familiar with. It's the word logitsomai in Greek, which basically just really means to um, come to a conclusion, draw a conclusion. You do accounting. you do the I call it doing the math, basically. You take into account information and you come to a conclusion. Uh, that's what it means uh, to consider and then calculate. Uh, and Paul had done that. He had calculated that... The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now, he had done that, but we can also do that math too. We can come to that conclusion. Uh, Often, when the sufferings are in our lives, we tend to focus on the sufferings, you know, we tend to focus on those things. and whereas Paul says, "I rec-, and the sufferings are very real, God's word does not minimize them and say, oh, he shouldn't be suffering, he shouldn't feel bad or anything like that. He doesn't minimize them. But what is making the comparison is, well, it's saying there is no comparison with the glory that is to be revealed. So perhaps if we're going to recognize and under- come to that similar conclusion like Paul did, then we should understand a little bit about glory. What the glory is that is going to be revealed. And uh you've probably seen the word "glory" in the scriptures all over the place, and uh, it's a word that has many shades of meaning. you know it encompasses such things as power, recognition, authority, radiance. In fact, the basic definition of glory is light or brightness, splendor or radiance from light, you know like when Paul was on the road to Damascus and the glory appeared around him, the shining bright above the brightness of the sun, that's one of the uses of glory. But it can also refer to manifested power. When when you see God's power in operation, and it can also refer to honor that somebody receives, praise and recognition and acclaim. So it has many different shades of meaning, and we're going to just look at a couple or maybe three places where it's used just to give you a little bit of an idea. And perhaps the best example is in Luke chapter 4. Luke 4. So whatever it is, it sounds like a good thing though, doesn't it? Sounds something like you would desire as opposed to suffering. Luke chapter 4. Verse 6, and you're all familiar with this record. It's when Jesus Christ was tempted. It says, and the devil said unto him, or, sorry, verse 5, I think is where I want to start. And the devil, taking up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Okay? And he said, and the devil said unto him, all this power, or authority is the word, all this authority will I give you and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me, and to whosoever I will, I give it. Okay? Imagine this now. Picture all the kingdoms, every country in the world, and you've probably seen on TV, you know, like a head of state standing somewhere on a big stage, and all the military, the tanks and airplanes and missiles and everything driving by. You've seen you know, people in big limousines and motorcades. Then you've talked about people at the Olympics who get all this acclaim and glory for winning a prize. How about rock concerts, you know, where people just Mm. applaud, go crazy, movie stars and so on, all that fame. You see all those kind of things. Imagine having the power of all the heads of state, of every country, and all the fame and acclaim of all these uh the people that you know the movie stars the rock stars you name it all that combined together multiplied by a few times and maybe we get a glimpse of what the glory that was offered Jesus Christ that day yeah it's pretty magnificent what he was was he what he was given to uh, you know and he said if you will fall down you're, this is all yours and you know Jesus Christ wouldn't have had to go through the crucifixion or any of those things. It was his to take. And the devil said, I, I give it. This, I give this to people. And how many people sell out for a little piece of that glory that was offered to Lord Jesus Christ? But Jesus Christ turned it all down. And he said in verse 7, or actually he, the condition was in verse 7, if thou will... If thou therefore will worship, and all all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Jesus Christ turned that glory down. That tells you there's a greater glory. A greater glory than that glory that he was offered. Uh, Let's go to Romans chapter 6. But that gives you a little picture of what glory is like and how amazing it is. Romans chapter 6. Verse 4 says, Therefore we are buried with him, that is Christ, by baptism into death, and that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So there you go. There's a a case where glory is used to show power and operation. It says, Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. You know, he was offered all the kingdoms of this world, but all the kingdoms of this world to date have not been able to raise somebody from the dead. Okay, That kind of manifested power. And Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by that power in operation. So this glory is pretty spectacular. It's pretty amazing. And uh, let's go to uh, John chapter 5. The study of this word, which if you're interested in in the Greek, it's the Greek word doxa, it's, it's it's used a lot of times, and it has corresponding word in the Old Testament, and it's it's worth a study, but you, it has many, many shades of meaning and many, many wonderful things that you can learn about it, but we don't have time to go into that, but you're getting a glimpse of, you get a picture that it's desirable, and we're here, we're getting also a picture that what The glory that comes from God is very different from the glory that comes from man. Look at John chapter 5, verse 41. Jesus Christ said in verse 41, I receive not honor, and that's the word glory. I receive not glory from men, but I know you that you have not the love of God in you, I am come in my father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe which receive honor? Again, that's the word glory. Receive glory one of another, and seek not the honor, glory, that comes from God only. Okay, These leaders here of the people were seeking glory of men, other men. But Jesus Christ clearly distinguished the glory that comes from God versus the glory that comes from man. And he said, as long as you're seeking the glory of men, you're not able to believe. Okay, As long as you're seeking that glory, how can you believe when you don't seek the glory that comes from God? And we're interested in the glory that comes from God. So there's clearly a distinction between the glory of man and the glory of God. And it's very marvelously set forth in 1 Peter. First Peter, which happens to be a quote from the Old Testament as well. First Peter, chapter 1, verse 24. For all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower thereof falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. See, that's the glory of man. It's very temporary. <laughs> you know, like a flower on a, on a piece of grass doesn't last very long. Sun comes and dies, you know, not very short-lived. It looks great when it's there, but it's very short-lived. That's the glory of man. And seeking the glory of man of this world, and people sell out their whole lives to get the glory of man. But it's short-lived. It's not like the glory that we're looking forward to, the glory that comes from God, which is going to be eternal. I love that. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower thereof falls away. That's it. It means the glory is gone. (laughs) That man's glory is gone. You see how many times people who reach the highest peaks in the world, and then they fall suddenly, and then they try to reclaim that glory, you know, some pathetic way they try to still reclaim the glory that they once had. Athletes who go into retirement, but yet never go into retirement. They keep trying to come back and play or actors or whatever. You, you see you've all seen it. They they work so hard to try to regain that glory, but it was very temporary. That's the glory of this world. But not the glory that we're going to share when we're revealed with Jesus Christ. So let's go back to Romans eight now, where we started, having a little bit more understanding of glory, and read that section again. 8. Let's go back to verse 16. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We know that. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. What an amazing honor that is. If so be, and that should be since, since we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. See, the reason faithful believers suffer is, the scripture says, because of the Word of God in their lives. You know, some suffering we we could, of course, bring upon ourselves, but when you're a faithful person, the suffering comes because of the Word of God in our lives. It's to try to get us off the Word. And you are all familiar with the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, for example, when Jesus Christ explained it. In each category of the person, it was the Word of God that was under attack in that person's life. Simply because you and I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are going to have to we have to endure some suffering. It's not look at Paul, look how much he endured. The shipwrecks, the beatings, the prison imprisonments, the you know, you name it, the stripes, all those things. Was Paul a faithful believer? Absolutely. He didn't endure it because he was doing things wrong. So a lot, a lot of times believers are taken by surprise when challenges in life hit because they think either they've done something wrong or what's going on, they don't believe enough or whatever it is. But it's actually because we believe God's word, because we stand on God's word, the word of God, the adversary wants to rip it out of our lives, we're under attack. Jesus Christ said, in the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And also Paul, you know, writes in Timothy, all that desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, okay? They're trying to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, but hey, persecution comes. Because they did something wrong? No, because we're believers and we have the word of God in our lives and we're destined for glory with Jesus Christ. So it's, we are enjoying, but we're going to be glorified with him, it says, right? We're going to be glorified. Uh, together in verse 17. Then Paul says, For I reckon I have reached this conclusion that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, you know, or to us. That glory is not going to be the fleeting man's glory that fall, you know, the withers and goes away temporary. It's going to be an everlasting glory. And then it says in verse 19, For the earnest expectation of the creation, is what it should say, of the creation waits for the manifestation or the revealing of the sons of God. That's us. All creation is looking forward to when we, the sons of God, are brought out into the open, okay, brought out to, so everybody recognizes, oh, I didn't know that person was a son of God. (laughs) And it's all going to be revealed one day. when We're brought out, and it's going to be, we're going to read more about that later. For the creation, it says in verse 20, was made subject to vanity or emptiness, futility, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope, because the creation, again, verse 21, itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Okay. now this should literally read the creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the liberty of the glory of the children of God okay the glory the word glory emphasizes not the liberty the freedom but the glory of the children of God our glory see all creations waiting for that day when we are glorified with Christ, And that's going to bring deliverance to all creation. How great! (laughs) How fantastic that glory must be. And now you can understand why Paul said, you know, I reckon that the sufferings of this time are not worthy to be compared. You know, when we compare things, we usually say, okay, this is better than that. This is worse than that. We put them on a we, put them, we consider them together. We put them on a sort of a scale, right? And we say, okay, this is much better. This is a little bit better. And That's how we, that's how we consider wrecking things and comparing it. But when it comes to the glory versus the current sufferings, you can't put them on any scale. Okay. They cannot be put against each other. The glory is going to be so fantastic. And that's something that we can think about when we are going through challenges in life. That's something we can put our minds on. Now, let's skip down to um, verse. Let's see, where do I want to go to? Verse 19. No, I already read that one. Verse 21. No, we read that one. Sorry. Oh, yeah, let's. Verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. That's us. We have been called, a purpose it says in Timothy, that was given us in Christ before the foundation of the world, you know, before the ages. That's a purpose that God put in Christ for us. We have been called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, that's us, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. That's us. And whom he called, them he also justified. That's us. We've been made righteous. And whom he justified, them he also, what? Glorified. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, I don't know about you, but do you feel glorified in the world today? You walk down the street and say, Hey, there's hey, there's Raj Hans. He's the son of God. I salute you, man. You know, he's the man. No, we don't get that glory today, but from God's perspective, it's done already. It's completed. Because when God makes a promise, he never goes back on it. So he can say something like this, he glorified because he's going to do it, and he can always also already put it in the past tense. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We are destined for glory. We're going to share that glory with Jesus Christ. And it's a fantastic thing to think about. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. These are, to me, some of the most comforting verses in in the Bible. Well, maybe that's an exaggeration, but they're very comforting. It says in verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, how that many, not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, right? I mean, look at ourselves, right? We're not the movers and shakers of this world, right? We're not at the, the multi-billionaires, the royalty and all that stuff of the world. For the most part, Christians don't fall into that category. And that's comforting to me. For God, it says in verse 27, for God has chosen the foolish things of the world. To confound, and that word confound means to put to shame. To put to shame, the you know, he's chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world. Do you ever feel like the weak things of the world? Yeah. Well, hey, guess what? God's chosen us. Yea, and the things which are not means the things that are nothing, you know, of no value in the world, the things that are nothing to bring to nothing things that are, you know. There are things, there are things and people and beings that think they're so great in this world, but God hasn't chosen them. He's chosen us, the foolish, the weak, the not many noble. So, hey, if somebody calls you foolish, then you should rejoice because you're in the chosen category for believing in Jesus Christ. If somebody says, "Well, you just believe because it, it's it's for the religion," or you know, they call it religion, but we know it's the Word of God. It's for the weak. You know, it's not for the strong people. They don't need God, but the weak do. Well, then we should rejoice if they insult so called try to insult us like that because we're in the chosen category. God has chosen us, okay. And then it says that. Verse the, uh, let's read those again for you. Verse twenty six. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound, put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound, to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the ba- and base things, you know, the low downgraded things, base things of the world, and things which are despised by everybody, hath God chosen, that's us, yeah, and things which are not to bring to not things that are, to bring to nothing those things that some- seem to be something, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Let's see, no man can glory in God's presence, and this is the glory of man that's talking about. <laughs> as opposed to the glory that we're going to get for being chosen by God. But of him are you in Christ Jesus, whom of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as is written, he that glories, let him glory in the Lord. See, That's the category we're in. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 to finish off. Oh, actually, no, that's not the last. Uh, One more scripture after that, but 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to read in, starting and read in verse 8. Paul speaking, Paul and the other ministers speaking about their, what was going on in their lives. He said, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. You know, they have a few days that things were not not going their way, and a few rough times in life, wouldn't you say? Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death works in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. You know, in their teaching of God's word and pro- proclaiming the gospel, they had some persecutions. They had to endure some things. And What while they were doing that, while they were you know being cast down or persecuted or troubled and distressed, what did they do? It says in verse 14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall also raise up us up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. They had the hope in their mind. They're going to be raised from the dead. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause? We faint not. We don't quit in our you know, believing. We don't quit this walking with God. We don't quit on the race that is set before us. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. In there, they were coming to a greater and greater understanding and a recognition of the glory and all the other blessings that are going to come in the future. That inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Okay. So these pressures, these challenges, they put into the category of light affliction. Okay, it was affliction light. Okay, uh, because. On the other side was the far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Furthermore, the affliction was momentary. You know, this life we have on this earth is very short. Doesn't matter, you know, even if you live to 100 years old, it's a very, very short life on this earth. And that's why if, if you suffer for 100 years as a believer, it's only for a moment compared to eternity. And the affliction, which earlier Rome and Paul said is not worthy to be compared, is also, is superseded, you know, it's, it's called light, it's superseded by the eternal weight of glory, so big, it just outweighs, you couldn't put them on the same scale. That's the glory that they looked forward to. That's what how Paul and his fellow ministers could survive these very challenging circumstances because they had that glory in their mind. Christ coming back raise us up the glory that is going to be revealed. We can handle it. And all of a sudden, these extremely challenging circumstances become light and momentary. Okay. So it's a good thing to have this glory and understanding of it in our minds. And in verse 18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. So what are the things that were seen? The persecution, the affliction, the pressures, being cast down, you know, uh, distressed, perplexed. Earlier in the same book, they were. It says they were p- afflicted, that they despaired even of life. That's how severe the affliction was. Okay, that's the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. So, what are the things that are not seen? The glory. <laughs> We don't see that right now, but it's coming one day. That's what they decided to focus on. Not the afflictions, but the coming glory. For the things which are seen are temporary, temporal. They're only here today. They'll be gone tomorrow when Christ comes back. But the things which are not seen are eternal. The glory is eternal. Our new bodies are eternal. Our hope our being with Jesus Christ, those things are eternal. And so that's where they focused their minds and their thoughts and their thinking on as they were enduring the this life. So the exceeding heavy weight of glory. You can't put it on a scale. You know, if it's it'll it'll blow a scale to smithereens if you tried to put the affliction on one side and the weight on the other. That's the scale couldn't handle the glory, the weight of the glory on this side, it would just blow the whole scale apart. Okay, that's the glory that is coming for us. So now we're going to finish off in Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. if you and that should be since since you since you have been risen with Christ since then you are risen with Christ which we all are seek those things which are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God in it, in his glory there set your affection your thinking on things above not on things on the earth why because you're dead <laughs> And your life is hid with Christ in God. That's when our life is really going to begin, when He comes back. For, your li- your, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ, is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Okay. Wow, what a day that's going to be. Think about Jesus Christ appearing in glory, all that power being manifest. All the light, the radiance, the magnificence of that occasion. And we're going to be appearing with him, sharing in that, appearing with him in glory. Not because we did some fantastic work, but because Jesus Christ wanted to share that glory with us. Because he made it, and God made it available through Jesus Christ to share with him, as joint heirs with him, to be partakers of that glory that is to be revealed. So what a fantastic reality. We're going to be, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we, you also, appear with him in glory. So pressures, tribulations, afflictions, they're all nasty. And they're real enough. And like I said, God's word doesn't minimize. You know, it says we're to sorrow with those that sorrow. You know, it's not like we say, oh, don't suffer, don't be sorrowful. We do. We have to deal with those things. God does not minimize the sufferings of his people, and nor is the Lord Jesus Christ insensitive to us, right? He was tempted in all ways like as we are yet without sin. He knows how we are, right? He knows what we go through. That's not the point here. But if we're going to face these things and continue to believe God, continue to believe his word, stand faithfully on his word, then an understanding of the glory to come is of immense importance to us like it was for Paul, right? That's how they were endured those afflictions. They focused on the unseen things. If we're not, So we're not moved off God's word when we stand through the trials and tribulations of life. We have not yet been glorified, but we will be. We are still weak, despised, and not in the noble category as far as the world's concerned, but God has chosen us. One day Christ will appear, Our life begins on that day. He will appear in glory. We will appear with him in glory. And what a day to think about and to set our minds on. So Heavenly Father, thank you for what you've done for us in Christ, Father. We, of course, don't even understand a minuscule amount of it. It's from what your word says, it's going to be so fantastic. Thank you for doing all that for us so that we could not glory in your presence, but we glory in our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for his accomplishments on our behalf and for all the love and blessings you've showered upon us through him. And we thank you in his wonderful name. Amen.